1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is a show where we cover the news from the video game industry, and we try to put it into a form that is easily understandable and fun to listen to. My name is Patrick Beja. Yes, yes. You
0: said Phileas Club. You didn't say
1: pixels. Oh, my God. All right. I'm not redoing this intro. Uh, This is the second time. And, you know, a long time ago, I used to do the intros like three or four times because I really wanted to get it right. But now it's been 10 years I'm doing this podcasting thing. I'm like, whatever just let's roll with it how's it going joss
0: good it's just like yeah they know what they're listening to <laughs> <Hopefully>. whatever <laughs>
1: um so yeah this is pixels it's a show about video games my name is patrick and joss is joining me from canada so um i'm usually i'm often doing the show with americans and uh it's the first time i think i'm doing the show with a canadian uh, um, should i be expecting some uh, wildly different ex- experience
0: uh, I'll probably be very quiet. I'll let you finish your thoughts. Um, <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's <laughs> totally unheard of in some podcasting <laughs> communities. But uh, yeah, no, you, I'll just kind of let you take the reins and I'll be I'll be very polite and I'll probably apologize because uh. I've clearly done something wrong already.
1: Well, I think the first thing already, actually, you're right. Um, you know, I almost, almost uh, brought in a, a note from my mom to excuse myself from the show because uh, I, I, the, the, the Overwatch beta started an hour ago, and I could be playing the Overwatch beta right now. And instead, well, I mean, it's nice to be recording with you. So, all right, all right, that, that's, it's the Canadian effect. So there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's, let's do this show. We're going to be professional. But we are going to try and uh, and and do it relatively quickly, so we can go play Overwatch, right? Absolutely. All right, but we do have the, now. It's it's a pretty meaty show. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. There's the PlayStation nail. That uh, the news broke basically a day or two after uh, the previous show. So I think most people are going to be familiar with what it is. Um, but we're still going to go over it. And then there's the Nintendo NX, which hasn't uh, kind of been announced with the date and a couple of details. Um, so we're going to be talking about that too. Uh, it's been something that uh, we've been curious for, for months and we've been speculating about for months. Um, but first... PlayStation Neo. Um what is that exactly? So Neo is the code name um for the next version of the PlayStation 4. So it won't be uh it, you know it's the the PlayStation improved version that we had been uh discussing for a while. Um the news was uh, uh broken I guess by Giant <laughs> Bomb. <laughs> they broke the news uh through a uh, piece of uh, technical documentation they obtained from developers that had received it from Sony. So it's still in rumor state ish, but it's, it, it, as rumors go, it's pretty solid. Um, so what it's going to be is a, new version of the playstation 4 that is going to be capable of displaying 4k images the games are probably not going to be 4k but uh, or maybe they're going to be upscaled to 4k but not uh, actually rendered in 4k Uh, but they will have some better maybe better texture better uh, graphics in general and it might uh, influence the VR experience as well with the PlayStation VR because the PlayStation Neo is going to be uh, noticeably more powerful. Now, Sony has been is being very clear in their documentation saying they the developers have to maintain good quality on the PlayStation uh, on the basic PlayStation as well. Uh, The PlayStation Neo will be able to run the games in basic mode or in Neo mode. And um, the basic mode has to be decent it it can't you know they can't half-ass it and they can't (laughs) um they can't just abandon the basic mode uh, for in favor of the neo mode they have to make it run on both modes uh well Uh, obviously the neo mode would be better uh on the vr side as well it is extremely precise i mean they the the documentation says it can't dip below 90 frames per second even on base mode so you should have decent um performance in vr as well on the current playstation 4 now all, with all that said um uh, you you recently bought a playstation 4 right are you pissed I-
0: Uh, uh, I don't necessarily know if I'm pissed because VR is not something I'm really excited about just because me as a gamer, I mean, I watched a video, a YouTube video last night of the paranormal activity in VR. And that to me is like traumatizing. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I like my gaming experience and my movie experience to be kind of at a distance because I get really invested in stories and characters and graphics, and to have all of that like surrounding me, I think it would just be too much for me. It would be too intense. So getting the uh, PlayStation, I guess it was like 4.5, basically is yeah. what everyone was calling it for, yeah. for, for a long 4K, time before 4. we 4. had 5, a, yeah. yeah, before we had a technical name. Um, wasn't really on my to-do list anyway. And I think it's really good that they're not splitting their player base. But, I, I mean, I feel like the kind of, I guess, cutting-edge console players are going to be the ones that are un- going to upgrade. But I don't know how big of an audience that actually is. It hmm. seems like an an odd decision by Sony to actually require that the game works just as well on the old system. Because it's taking the incentive away from actually purchasing the new system.
1: Huh, that's an interesting... Well, so... Yeah, the first of all, it's not just gonna be about VR, right? You're you're also yes. gonna be the the game but I guess you're coming at this from a PC gamer perspective and you're like, Yeah, whatever. It's not you know, it's not <laughs> my main machine and my, <laughs> my PC is my baby and I have Yes, but, exactly. You know, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it it makes sense. Um I think the the thing it's it's really a difficult situation they're putting themselves into, uh, with this, because if they push the Neo version too hard, then the existing players, and remember, they've, um, they've gotten They've sold almost 40 million PlayStation 4s at this point, which is an enormous number for, uh, you know, in at this That's point huge. in the life uh, span of a console. Yeah, I think only the Nintendo Wii has ever done better on the home consoles, and the Nintendo Wii was kind of an oddity, <laughs> weird thing, anyway. It was um, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, if they, if they piss off the, the, if they push the nail and say you can do whatever you want, then the existing players are going to be angry. If they don't, then there is less incentive to buy the nail. But I think it's going to be like that for a while. I think the nail is going to be. You know around for a little bit for with no huge advantage or although you know if you're the kind of person that wants wants the better graphics uh and you're not already on pc you're going to want the the neo but i think for the first couple of years it's going to be everything's fine on both consoles anyway um if they and with you know in 2 or 3 years the basic PlayStation 4 will be old enough that it's okay to sort of let it slide a little bit by the the wayside i think most mm. people are So I've you think they're more to,
0: like um temporary restrictions as opposed to this shall well, be what they do on neo
1: No i think i think it's going to be Maybe it's a restriction until the PlayStation, I don't know, revolution arrives in three years or, you know, four years. And then the PlayStation basic is less of a focus. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. I mean, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, by the way, have basically PC architectures. So they could improve the the hardware forever from now on. Uh, yes. And they wouldn't necessarily need to change uh devices. I think, well, hmm. I don't know, I think the next one would still be a PlayStation five and be a cutoff point, but um I don't know it's 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 really a tight rope to walk for for sony um because definitely people are saying that they're pissed at this point already by the <laughs> with the rumors.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that we've actually even seen a rumored price tag, which I think is also going to um, either satisfy or piss off a lot of consumers. You know, if they're if they're going to somehow magically be able to do this for the same price as a PS4 or within you know maybe a hundred dollars, they might satisfy some people. They might convince some people to upgrade, but if they're pushing you know a five six hundred dollar price point, especially and coming from a Canadian perspective. If these are American prices, to us, that's going to bump the price up by two and $300 because our dollar is doing so poorly right now. So it's just yeah. that you start to alienate a whole bunch of people the higher you push the price. And when there's already no extra um, features that are going to be tied to the Neo, because th- that's one of the things that they've said, like you can't have different game modes or different functionality in Neo games. Like they have to be the same gaming experience, just, you know, better graphics you know potentially vr but to take like that price point and just keep pushing it up and up oh man it's, it's scary yeah. bad
1: i think so so on the feature side i think the only additional feature you can have is if you already have a split screen multiplayer kind of thing on the basic mode you can have more players on the neo mode like you mm-hmm. can have two players and, in basic mode and four players in neo mode but you have to already have that local multiplayer thing um, in basic mode In the basic even, version yeah, yeah, already So um, And the VR Any game that does VR In, in Neo mode Also has to do VR In basic mode So you can't have a game That runs oh, so basic can... No, no oh. You can't so, so they really They're really Pushing for that par- parity really hard. And, um, I think that what happened was that the one feature that is not gaming related, but is still an additional feature with the Neo, uh, is likely going to be a Blu ray 4K and it's going to push 4K video wise, but I think it's going to read 4K from a Blu ray as well. And I think that's where the console is coming from, actually. I'm wondering if they didn't think, well, you know, we have blu-ray 4k coming and we're sony we're publishing you know movies and (laughs) and we need to have a a blu-ray player a 4k blu-ray player and we have the playstation and it's always pushed the new formats like the playstation 2 was the dvd player for many people playstation 3 was uh, a blu-ray right i'm not Emma, is it right? Yes.
0: Oh, yeah, no, that's completely right, Right. because that was one of the things. I mean, I was really invested in the Xbox universe, which is why I didn't get a PlayStation 3. But that was one of the huge selling points of that console over the Xbox was that it actually read Blu-rays instead of just DVDs. So it had the kind of dual purpose that the Xbox didn't have.
1: And I think here with the marketing push for 4K, uh, this year, it's the perfect time to release. And actually they have to have a console that reads 4K Blu-rays. And I think they figured, you know what? We can also do this at the same time and it can be an incremental upgrade, which can, which can work. And I think it's going to be 400 bucks. I don't, th- I think it's going to be launch price of the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 4 Basic is going to be 300. So you do have a slight upgrade, but the PlayStation 4 Basic is going to work with everything anyway. And that's going to be a guarantee for the next few years. Um, and I'm thinking that is just pure speculation on my part. I'm thinking in order to make people who have already bought a PlayStation Basic happy, what they could do is um, give everyone, everyone, a uh, rebate on a PlayStation VR headset. So Mm. if you give everyone like 50 or 100 bucks uh, reduction, then not only does, I think it's going to make a lot of people happy because many of them were going to buy it anyway. And some of them might think, well, you know, it's a good deal. So I'm going to do that. Plus, you push your PlayStation VR format, uh, so it's basically a win-win for everyone. So I don't know. I think this might—it's—it's it's a little bit of wishful thinking on my part. But fifty <laughs> bucks, I could see happening for to thank people who have bought a PlayStation Four before the announcement of the PlayStation Neo. So I don't know. That—that that would make me happy because I'm buying yes. it anyway <laughs> What? So when did you buy your PlayStation Four? Um a few months after release uh I Oh okay on, so yeah.
0: you've had it for a while then and yeah, yeah. you're not quite in the same boat as I am where I'm like oh man <laughs> <laughs> like it's only a year old.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no I'm I've I've milked it quite a bit so I I I think I'm good. <laughs> um and um oh crap there was another thing that I wanted to mention and now I forgot. Uh well anyway so yeah PlayStation 4 PlayStation Neo there you go these are, these are the details uh, oh right the other thing is if they do announce it at E3 which we're all think they thinking they will and it releases at um uh, at, at in November uh, What are people gonna? I guess what they can do is announce the prices, so they can say the Neo is going to be four hundred. This one is three hundred, and it's three hundred from now. So if you want to buy it, just do it now. If you want to wait, you can, but wait for the Neo, not for this one. You already have all the details. I think that's how they could make it so people don't just you know stop buying PlayStations until they know the prices and, and dates. So
0: yes, exactly. I think you're you're spot on with that.
1: Uh, and by the way, Microsoft is going to announce new hardware at E3 as well. And uh, that's probably going to be uh, the, the upgraded Xbox One, which I guess we can call Xbox One Neo. Oh, which <laughs> Neo 1, it's the same letters. Ooh, my Ooh. brain is melting. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to Nintendo. Um, first of all, Star Fox Zero was released on uh on, on Wii U and I think I've never seen more tepid reviews of a Nintendo game. It was I, yeah.
0: Yeah, I can't believe it it wasn't even so much like negative reviews or just even kind of middle of the road reviews. I barely saw anything about this game at all. It was just yeah. like it came out and no one cared.
1: It's, it's really surprising because Star Fox, uh, I mean, you're, you're young, Joss, so maybe you don't remember (laughs) that. Um, but it it used to be, it, it was a huge deal on previous consoles and it's something that a lot of people have been asking for for a long time. And actually, that's, I think, one of the best reviews, uh, I've read was saying, uh, we wanted, we've been wanting Star Fox since 2002 and we got a Star Fox from 2002. So, you know, yeah. there you go. That's the That
0: was moment. my impression when I saw any of the gameplay videos, is I was like, this almost <laughs> looks like something I might have played on my sixty-four.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's and I mean graphics aren't everything. Certainly uh gameplay is really important, but here it seems like gameplay isn't top notch either. It's okay. I mean, some people like it, um, but no one's loving it, I think. So it was really a disappointment, especially since it is basically um, it's the last game. Now we know for sure until the end of the Wii U. It's we're going to talk about this in just a second with the mm-hmm. with the NX, but. Um, um, and and the president from Platinum Games, I don't know if it's related, but they're the ones who developed Star Fox Zero, and the president stepped down. He had been there for a long time, so maybe he's just tired and he's getting replaced, but Platinum Games has been developing. Some... It's, it's funny because they're one of the uh, action game developers that are super... Highly regarded by critics But it doesn't seem like they're making Huge successes They're the ones doing Bayonetta by the way That's their mm-hmm. most famous game Yeah. Um, but um, yeah So anyway I don't know if it's related And um, and then Miitomo, um, Nintendo has, has apparently celebrated 10 million downloads And I, I'm not quite sure what to make of it Because of course everyone's going to download a Nintendo game But are they playing it Still? <laughs>
0: That is my number one question because I know personally I downloaded it and then couldn't even make it through like the create your me part because it was asking me for a Nintendo count and I've got like six of them probably (laughs) just because like they keep changing like what you use to log into the store and then the shop and then from your Wii and then your Wii U and it just seems like I have so many different Nintendo logins. I couldn't figure out what, what my most recent one was. And then it I did and it told me I had the wrong password and then I was just like oh my god this game is stupid anyway I don't even <laughs> want to play this like I'm jumping through all these Nintendo hoops for no reason so I just deleted it. <laughs> so I'm, technically I'm a download but Yeah that's what I was wondering
1: I'm wondering if you if you're counted in the 10 million but uh, probably I'm Um, sure
0: I am. I'm sure I
1: am. I have to say it was a little bit confusing for me because I thought I like I have two or three different elements of Nintendo accounts, but I thought I had set it to, you know, with the release of the actual Nintendo account that's going to be used going forward. And when I tried to log into the app, it did tell me, no, this is not the right password and do this and do that. And it was a (laughs) huge hassle. Yeah, it it was. And and then the game is stupid anyway. (laughs) So, I mean, some people are using it, but it's not for me for sure. Um, no,
0: it's not for me either. And I feel like I have the same problem with Miyatoma that I have with, um, oh, what was it, Animal Crossing, is that, you know, everyone is so into it, and it is just the greatest, biggest, and most amazing thing for a week. And then everyone stops playing, and there's no game left once no <laughs> one's playing it.
1: <laughs> so... Yeah. Well, you're going to be able to enjoy uh, Animal Crossing on mobile as well pretty soon because uh, Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing have been announced as the um, upcoming uh, mobile titles from Nintendo. So you're going to jump. You're going to be all over that, right?
0: I'm going to have to be all over that day one. I waited about a month to get Animal Crossing on the 3DS and that was a huge mistake.
1: (laughs) Oh, really? Wait, what? Do you mean that you, you really love it?
0: Well, no, I mean, like, I don't know if I love it or not, because the whole thing was everyone was visiting everyone everyone else's towns and stuff. And there were no people left playing a month after Animal Crossing released. So I didn't really get to experience what Animal Crossing is like. So if it's going to be another, like, free to play or even I mean, it's a mobile it's a mobile game. So it'll probably be fairly cheap. Um, it's it's the kind of thing that I'm going to get day one and be like, okay, do I actually like Animal Crossing?
1: <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Animal Crossing either. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll try it on mobile. I'm a little bit more excited about Fire Emblem though, because that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a uh, uh, turn-based strategy game and it's always been a big thing on 3DS. And I think I might, yeah, I'm definitely going to gonna try it. It's going to be released least, I think... Uh, well, they have 4 games left until March 2017. So it shouldn't take too long, maybe in the summer we're going to have Fire Emblem and then uh, in the in the fall Animal Crossing, but um yeah, so those were announced during the investors call last week. And the other big thing, which was actually pretty big, is the details we got about the Nintendo NX. Um first thing it's going to be released in March 2017, so they're going to miss the um, holiday season. Um, and that was, a, I mean, I've often said I think it's going to release in holiday season at the latest by <laughs> fiscal year, uh, you know, end of fiscal year 2016, which is March 2017. Uh, but still, I'm a bit surprised they're they're missing the the launch uh, the the holiday period because. That's when you sell consoles.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, this is Nintendo, and we know the one way that they sell a new console... Put a Zelda game on it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need a holiday to sell Zelda.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, I, actually, that's true. Um, they're, they're saying that uh, The Legend of Zelda Wii U is now planned for uh, Wii U and NX. It's going to be released in 2017. That's like everyone on Twitter was like, oh, my God, I am so shocked. Uh, we all knew it was going to happen. I think yeah. there were a couple of people in the corner saying, oh, no, it's going to come out on Wii U only. And... <laughs> you know yeah
0: and they were shunned yeah basically
1: it's um i mean i think a lot of people don't realize the extent to which the the Wii U sales have been abysmal um mm-hmm. they're now at about i think 12 million units which is half of what the GameCube has done in its entire life and i if you're if you know anything about video games you remember the feeling that The GameCube was Nintendo's worst performing console ever. And it was an actual, you know, a a horrible mistake. Not a mistake, but a horrible failure.
0: (laughs) Which Um, is so funny because I loved my GameCube. I have more games for my GameCube than I think I have any other console. Really?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, there there were good games for sure. It's just that it didn't sell well. And, and to be honest, I've been saying on this show that the Wii U has fantastic games. The the Nintendo games on on the Wii U are amazing. Um, I love almost all of them. It's just you know it didn't it didn't gel. And I th- so oh go ahead.
0: I think there there's two problems with the Wii U that I'm hoping that the NX isn't going to face. And the the Wii U was Nintendo catching up to what was current gen by then you know like they they were trying to catch up to where the ps3 was and the xbox 360 was their hardware just wasn't there like the wii u isn't or shouldn't be counted up with xbox one and playstation 4 it's just not that good so they were playing catch up with the wii u and then they took so long after playing catch up to actually release all of these fantastic titles like for the first year to year and a half of the wii u's like console cycle, there was nothing to play of any kind of note. And then we had Zelda that was supposed to release in 2015 and they just kept <laughs> saying, oh, not yet. Oh, 2016. Okay. Yep. And just pushing it and pushing it. So the Wii U didn't have that kind of swell of interest behind it because there was nothing spectacular about it other than the gamepad, which i'm i hate gimmicks so i was just like just give me the pro controller and we'll go from there like <laughs> it's so
1: yeah oh, i ahead. think
0: that that was that was the big problem with the wii u and i'm hoping that what they've done with the nx whatever it is is less gimmicky more hardcore gamer guts and they're starting with the zelda title so this could be the turning point. If it's not, I hope they just start doing software only. And then I can play like Zelda on my Xbox and I'll be happy.
1: <laughs> oh my God, that would be, that would not make me happy. I mean, maybe it would be the smart thing to do. I don't think so. Maybe it would be, but <laughs> it would just be so devastating if Nintendo went away from hardware. I think they're only, you know, the only way they, they differentiate themselves is by making great hardware maybe i'm wrong maybe they can just uh do do the software thing and be very successful there are certainly companies that do that but uh yeah i I, it wouldn't make me happy at all (laughs) um but
0: i think they do really well in the mobile space like i think they do really innovative things with portable gaming but in terms of the console they just they've fallen way way behind
1: so yeah maybe they could keep doing a portable console and then go yeah Go yeah go go software on the home market yes maybe maybe that would make <laughs> me a little bit less sad but still you know I <laughs> I grew up on on Nintendo entertainment system so um but yeah there there certainly I mean what uh, uh Kimishima said the president uh, said uh, in the days after the investors call was that the reason they weren't uh, launching in in the holiday season and in they chose march instead was that they really wanted to have a very solid software lineup so i think if they managed to get the the zelda title and a mario world type game they have a, an instant success on their on their hands right if they do super mario not you know a mario kart or mario smash bros whatever like an actual mario platformer um i think it's impossible that they don't sell millions instantly uh, most people have their xbox 1 or their playstation now uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, people that are still interested in nintendo it's th- it might still be a second console but i think they will uh, sell a, a few millions very quickly if they have a solid software lineup, um, and that's the way they're going. And yeah, I
0: think two titles is, is kind of key. I think, mm. you know, as much as I say Zelda sells consoles, it does, but I think if you can get something where you've got, like, the NX bundle with Zelda and something else, and that something else is is a compelling Nintendo title, like you mentioned, Mario Brothers, I think also even if they had, yeah, I think Mario Kart is enough to sell consoles. Yeah, it is. I think Mario Mario Kart 8 was kind of the first real big Wii U title that made people go out and buy the console. So I think, you know, there's there's quite a few things that they could pull from to get that second title. But I think the key is going to be in their marketing and their bundling and having more than just one great title on launch.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and it looks like that's the way they're going. So, I mean, in March, I'm going to be buying an NX, whatever it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're also kind of, you know... I the one thing we I wanted to add to your um uh comments about the Wii U is they really planned I mean it was the first HD Nintendo console which is ridiculous because you know it was <laughs> it released 3 years ago but um it was also it was planned it was conceived at a time when uh tablets were super hot and yeah. I, I don't know if you remember but Three or four years ago. All of the titles presented at, all of the big titles presented at E3 had some sort of uh, tablet component. It was like the division had this, like, you could join other people's games through tablets. And it was that second screen. The tablets were so hot, so buzzy that everyone felt like they had to do something with them. A lot of software makers ended up abandoning it along the way because it, people realized that when you're playing a game, you want to be playing a game. Right. um <laughs> But Nintendo had based their entire console around it. And mm-hmm. uh, what's worse, they had called it the Wii U, which people thought was, you know, an extension for the Wii or, like, a, they didn't realize it was a new thing. So, yeah, huge issue. However, I do think that they might uh, still have software compatibility with the Wii U on the NX, whatever it ends up being. Um, I think they're they're not going to abandon the uh, Wii U stable of games completely and i think mm-hmm. a lot of people who are going to get the nx are going to be able to discover um the the amazing games from the wii u like you know mario and mario kart and all of those uh on that splatoon new console, so. <laughs> splatoon yeah it's really fun yeah. actually but um yeah <laughs> So yeah, and, uh, it won't be at, it won't be presented at E3. There will only be one game at E3 from Nintendo playable. There might be other things, uh, that they show, but the only playable one is going to be Zelda on Wii U, not on NX. So the NX is probably going to be introduced later in the year and at a Nintendo special event some at some point. Um, so we still don't know what the hell that thing is. <laughs> so there you go um all right let's move on to other news uh, before we do that um thanks to m25 racer who left a comment on itunes saying he likes the show and or she and um gave us five stars so thank you so much uh, if you want to help us get a little bit more visibility you can go to itunes or your podcast catalog of choice and uh give us a review and a few stars we would be very thankful Uh, Other news, there's a bunch of... I I sometimes do those corners where I bundle up together a bunch of news on the same topic. Today, it's going to be an FPS corner because we have a lot of FPS news. So I hope you like FPSs because we have like five or six different items to to go through. Um, I guess first one, I put it last, but I think... Maybe it should... Oh, I put it second. All right, let's put it first. <laughs> Call of Duty. It's the king of FPSs, right? Call of Duty Infinite uh, Infinite Warfare has been announced. It will be released, Chalker, in November. And um, there's, they're going to go to space?
0: They kind of had to, uh, realistically. <laughs> there yeah. are so many Call of Duties. There's literally one every year. They've done, like, Old Warfare... Current warfare and future warfare, <laughs> like, they, they didn't have anywhere else to go but up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I was very ready to hate this. It was like, it looked dumb, like, oh, right, you're <laughs> going to be soldiers in space? What is this, Halo? Or like, I don't know. It's
0: <laughs> I thought but... Mass Effect when I looked at it yeah yeah, but it, yeah it, same yeah. thing yeah
1: there's a little bit of mass effect a little bit of of gears of war with the invasion of earth with mm-hmm. with some it's not aliens actually but it's it's still uh you know space factions of the what settlement defense front or something
0: something like that
1: yeah, yeah. um it's And actually it looks, you know, what I liked in the marketing promotion material was they were referencing Modern Warfare a lot. And actually Modern Warfare is getting remastered and um, it's going to be sold only with a special version of Infinite Warfare. Um, so if you pay an extra 20 bucks, I think you get a remake of that beloved call of duty title it was back in 2009 i think and it was you know when it came out if you if you never um heard about it or played it it was it redefined what cinematic shooter cinematic shooters would be it it was so dynamic and cinematic really there were a few set pieces in this game, that would take your breath completely out of your body, and you couldn't breathe for a few seconds. It was an incredible title, and it—it's. Mm-hmm. We make a lot of fun of Call of Duty now, um, but that was the height of uh, uh, Infinity Ward, which is the original developer for Modern Warfare. The height of Infinity Ward's uh, creations—it was amazing, and the remaster has even gotten me interested a little bit. So. Wow.
0: Well, I, I love first-person shooters. I'm terrible at them, but I I really enjoy them at the same time, as long as I'm not playing multiplayer, because then I just get completely wrecked. But um, Call of Duty is one of those franchises that I've kind of followed since the beginning, and, and I quite enjoy. I actually own all of them, except for maybe two. Hmm. And I just, I I really like their story. I think there was only, I think it was um, Black Ops 2 maybe pushed the story a little bit too far for me and I didn't enjoy it. But um, in general, I really like the Call of Duty franchise. So this trailer to me just fell so flat. And I think it might be because now, like I said, like they didn't have anywhere else to go. They pretty much did everything that I would have thought that they would do with the franchise. So I think my Call of Duty experience might kind of be done because I looked at this and went, really (laughs) (laughs) space shooting like you know all of a sudden my beloved you know boots on the ground gun in hand shooter went into a pilot space experience which i have really never ever liked so i don't know how i feel about this
1: (laughs) but yeah so the thing is they've done the boots on the ground gun in hand you know, shooter so much, as you've said, uh, it's, I don't know that they can do it again and generate any kind of excitement. Certainly they, they, yeah, yeah th- you're right. That they, they could only <laughs> go that that way. Um, I've been done with call of duty for three or four years already. So I'm not, you know, I think after modern warfare two and that whole, you know, drama with, uh, with, uh, Vincent Pella and the, the founders of infinity ward, um, that left the company. I think that that was the death knell of that franchise for me, at least. Um, <laughs> and I've never gotten in, gotten into the Treyarch, uh, developed, uh, Call of Duties. So that whole franchise, the, the Black Ops thing was not for me. I didn't get into it. So. Here it, it's kind of I'm waiting for the one Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. I bought it. It didn't do it for me either. It was way too caricaturely, cin- you know, American movies. Yeah. Like it was like <laughs> we're we're making war and there's a bad guy and like it's it's almost like Gears of War is funny because it's 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 so exaggerated and it doesn't take itself seriously. Call of Duty has taken it has usually taken itself way too seriously to be uh, to be fun when it's it, when it's not brilliant and it hasn't been brilliant in a while. Um, so anyway, I've I've drifted away from that series for a while and I'm wondering if this one where where they seem to be trying to set those set piece moments uh, so. In in the way that they were in Modern Warfare one and two, and I know it it might be dangerous to to be copy copycatting uh, mm-hmm. those things because you might end up with the same version, but that doesn't work. Um, but I'm wondering if if that breadth of of space might not be conducive to easy set piece moments that work and maybe even some vr i, I there, were, there were a couple of moments where I, I was thinking "Ooh, there could be some vr moments in this thing when you're in the in the in the spaceship or when in you're in the cockpit drifting, yeah. yeah in the cockpit or, or when you're drifting in in the sp- bro- destroyed space station like it's very reminiscent of uh the game of drift but um yeah, I, I'm not going to pre-order it. Let's put it like that. But maybe <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll look into it. Um,
0: yeah. It's kind of, it's a little bit interesting because even though like Call of Duty just iterates on itself so much and we get a new one every November, but every November it makes so much money because the people that play it are extraordinarily serious about the multiplayer. So I'm really interested to see what this actually might mean for the franchise because it almost seems like they're taking the Call of Duty name and then putting it on an entirely new game. And I don't know how that might actually translate to the first-person shooter multiplayer community. Like, Mm. this this has the potential to bring people back who haven't bought Call of Duty in a while, but it also has the possibility of totally alienating Call of Duty fans.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, we'll see. The thing is, as you said, they have nowhere to go but somewhere different. And, of course, they're trying it, so... Um, We're going to be getting a new Battlefield announcement uh, next week as well. Battlefield has always been the... Well, not always. Actually, it started out as the... um, Oh, no. It was Medal of Honor that the guys who founded Infinity Ward actually did before. Those... I mean, we don't say enough about the founders of Infinity Ward. They brought the, the World War II shooter into published public consciousness that 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 was Medal of Honor and then they reinvented that genre with the modern shooter with modern warfare. It was so I'm really looking forward to what they're doing next, which is gonna be uh Titanfall two because Titanfall one was great but short lived. Anyway, <laughs> Battlefield game is gonna be announced uh this week. Uh if all goes well, it's always been a little bit less successful than um then Call of Duty, since it came to the to to compete in the same arena, um, and uh, an article about Go- Gears of War four uh, caught my eye. It was basically um, Tim Sweeney explaining why they left the Gears of War franchise to Microsoft. Um, what he was saying, let me get the numbers here, was that the first Gears of War cost twelve millions to develop, which you know it's a Hefty sum of money, but it's not the numbers that we're seeing today. Uh, and it made about $100 millions in revenue. So it, it was a profitable enterprise. Uh, a few years later, um, Gears of War 3 cost cost about four of, or five times the amount that the first Gears of War um, cost. And there were issues with Microsoft not wanting to let them do stuff fix some of the stuff they had issues with for free so that that was a whole other thing but what they were saying was that the next gears of war would cost a hundred million to make because it's that's just the 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 cost of of uh of AAA tech, games now yeah. yeah and and in order to make money in that kind of enterprise you have to make it into an, an incredibly giant success right and and Epic, which is a big company, but they're still uh, uh, not a a huge player like uh, Activision or EA or Microsoft or Sony, um, decided, you know what, this is not for us. So we're just going to go the free-to-play route. Um, They uh, uh, released the Unreal Engine in a free-to-use version, and they decided to go free-to-play with uh, Paragon, which I've talked about on this show before. So... I think it was really interesting. Uh, I thought it was interesting to have that insight into the, the thought process and the financial process that led Epic, which was a major developer back 20 years ago, um, to go the free to play route. Because basically, if you want to play in the big, uh, big boys arena, you either have to do triple A that destroys everything in its path like call of duty does or possibly go free to play and iterate on a game and uh make it available for you know relatively well for free um yeah
0: i guess free is relatively low cost yeah
1: yeah you can you (laughs) could say that but yeah i thought it was interesting it was a conscious choice to be able to make the kind of games they wanted uh to to not to stop doing triple A titles because it's just unsustainable for them.
0: Yeah, which is... It's really too bad to see an IP get passed on from the original company, especially in favor of a free-to-play model. I am not a huge fan of the free-to-play model, so... Sad news, I think, yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh,
1: yeah. It's... Yeah, I think they were tired of Gears of War as well. I don't think they would have... You know, they wanted to stay to keep developing the same game over and over again forever. But, um, it's still, yeah, the, the, the free to play thing is not just, you know, for some developers, for some respected developers, it's, it's a legitimate way of, of keeping yourself in, in business, I think is the, is the lesson here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, talking about free-to-play, that game is not going to be a free-to-play. It's Lawbreakers. Um, it's the talking about Epic, too. Um, Cliff Blazinski, Blazinski um, lovingly called Cliffy B during a time that we'd all rather forget. Um, <laughs> he was the the basically the mind behind Gears of War. And uh, he went away on a sabbatical for a couple of years. He retired and then the gaming cre- creation itch, um, sort of got him and he went back to gaming with his company, Bosky Productions. And, um, Lawbreaker is their first title. We had heard about it for a while. And, uh, now we've seen a little bit of a, you know, there's a, a trailer and, um, more details about how the game is gonna work. Uh, the trailer is full of edgy swearing i <laughs> 'm um, wondering uh, tell me what you thought about the i mean it 's still a trailer we don 't know what the game is is, is going to be playing like exactly it's it does show gameplay elements g- gameplay uh, uh, video but uh what did you think
0: I think it 's pretty cool i mean it 's got the whole playing with gravity kind of thing, which is kind of a trend that i 'm excited about in gaming is is the idea of playing with time and space. I just finished playing Quantum Break, which I loved. So, the idea of kind of warping the world around you while playing against other players I think is really, really neat, and, like i said, i 'm not a fan of free to play so when i was when I saw that this was going to have a price point i 'm like yes, okay <laughs> i'm interested like yeah. as soon as you get free to play first person shooters, I just die a little inside
1: <laughs> yeah um it, I have to say i was all I was ready to to think that w- this was not for me, but especially with the beginning like the raw this is motherfucking <laughs> awesome or whatever he swears uh about and um and you know i'm not good with swear words i'm i'm very sure <laughs> um but um he he the, the the way they presented that that whole uh playing with gravity as you're saying there's a justification in the game which is a silly it's like the moon was shattered so the earth has whatever yeah. yeah um but it it seems fun it seems like it could have some uh interesting uh you know interesting features in the game itself and the characters look kind of uh cool as well there's this weird one with like a i don't know whip kind of thing that she or he uses <laughs> to zip around the thing or to get to to zip closer like to rush to a person to charge to a person or i don't know it seems like it it could be more interesting than than i initially thought it would be so um the alpha is um not available but you can register for it and uh it's on lowbreakers.com so just go check it out if you think you you might be interested i definitely registered for the alpha no date though it's not (laughs) we don't know when it's going to be available um, and finally, uh, another blast from the past. Um, Romero and Carmack, John Romero and A- Adrian Carmack, uh, no relation to, uh, the other Car- Carmack who founded id Software. Um, they, they came back. So basically, Romero and Carmack uh, were part of the trio who founded id Software. Uh, id Software. Of course, everyone knows who they are, right? Doom, Quake, those amazing first-person shooters. They invented the genre almost. <laughs> and um, they launched a Kickstarter um, for an FPS game, a, a fast FPS, FPS game single player uh, called Black Room. And they had this funny video presentation. And a week later, they canceled the Kickstarter because they had nothing to show for the game I've, I've seen a lot of comments saying yeah you're you know your names are well known but gameplay elements you should it, you're not coming out of nowhere you should be able to finance or to do something no demo <laughs> no gameplay elements no nothing it was just we're going to do something and it's going to be available in two years maybe and <laughs> please give us your money so yeah." Yeah, I, I wouldn't have given them my money. I think a lot of people thought the same thing. But um, they, yeah, we- and
0: I, that being said, I mean, it's not like they earned an insignificant amount of money. I mean, they were at one hundred and thirty thousand dollars after a week. Like that's still that's yeah. still a significant portion of funding. Um, but yeah, I I feel like now that Kickstarter has been around and there've been some pretty big campaigns, it's been around for a few years and. I think people are starting to be a little bit more wary with the things that they backed. Like Kickstarter three years ago, if this project had been put up, people would have been like, oh, hell yeah, take all my dollars. Like, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And now as we've seen more and more of these projects either get delayed, sometimes indefinitely or just fail outright i think people are being a little bit more um can you please show me that i can at least play something
1: yeah yeah (laughs) i think that's exactly what happened and and like if john carmack uh had he's working for oculus now but if john carmack had made a kickstarter i think he would have gotten money very quickly it's just that these two are a little bit Less well known than than John Carmack is, and um, it's they were asking for seven hundred thousand, and when which you also get, seems like a lot. Well, so for a game, I don't think it's a lot. I think it's a lot less than they would have needed to to finance a full featured three D game. Um, they even said in the video that they were going to use that Kickstarter to show other investors that there was Mm. interest in the game um that's just how (laughs) which is also another
0: very scary thing to hear as a potential kickstarter backer so it's like wait a minute i'm gonna give you all of my money you're gonna have seven (laughs) hundred thousand dollars And your idea then is to show other bigger investors. So it's like I'm not even backing a game. I'm backing a pitch.
1: <laughs> yeah, kind, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I, we were saying just you know a few minutes ago that uh, Gears of War One cost twelve million, and that mm-hmm. was what ten years ago, even more. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, it's not surprising to me at all that they would need to get more money than the seven hundred. Thousand, if they want to make a fully, you know, first player uh, solo experience for a three D uh, shooter, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But, uh, but yeah, the thing is, you're right. People are are not jaded, but I think they're just a little bit more demanding with their Kickstarter projects. Right, yeah, right, more you know, more
0: right cautious with their yeah. with their dollars. I think.
1: Yeah. So and yeah, a hundred and something thousand after a week, they would never have gotten. Uh, seven hundred thousand. So, mm-hmm. what they said was, "All right, we get it. We're gonna, you know, create a tech demo or you know a concept of something, and we'll come back on Kickstarter. We'll, we'll, we'll come back. We'll give you a little bit more, and um, that's probably the thing they they should be doing. However, I'm, you know, that demo better kick serious ass because uh, <laughs> if it doesn't, I don't know that they're gonna be doing a lot better. So, yeah. Uh, talking about Kickstarter projects, uh, the the FPS corner is over, but Mighty Number no. Nine is launching on June twenty first. Yay! <laughs> Very
0: exciting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean this is this is the Mega Man ish yep. one, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you're not excited. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, not not really. I'm I'm one of those gamers who didn't actually really play Mega Man. Yeah. Me neither but i like
1: that those okay. types of games
0: normally when i say that out loud people are just like oh, you
1: what well okay i did play mega man because everyone would play mega man back then i just i wasn't in huge you know i wasn't in love with it mm-hmm. so yeah but i'm still going to be checking out mighty number no. 9 i might buy it it's just you know inafune is a guy that i think has huge uh uh cred nerd geek cred and i want to check out what he does but it's just it took so long to to put together um Mm -hmm. and the quality doesn't seem to be quite where we would like it to be but uh yeah so anyway june 21st it will be available um another thing that is rubbing people the wrong way for understandable (laughs) reasons um you know how the oculus deliveries for people who pre-ordered is getting delayed to God knows when, you know, May mm-hmm. at the minimum. Well, Best Buy is going to get some Oculus Rifts <laughs> before the pre-orders are delivered. So, good are news. Are they
0: though. are they strictly demo units or are they like for sale units?
1: So basically, Oculus in their communication is saying there will be very limited numbers available <laughs> for sale at Best Buy. Um, oh, no. S- yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and and they're even saying, um, if you did pre-order it, you can go at Best Buy, buy one, which very likely means queuing for a significant amount of time, mm-hmm. and um, we will still give you your pre-order bonus and cancel your pre-order. So, you know, I think the reason for this is that they had a contract with Best Buy to deliver <laughs> some units, and they it couldn't get be. out of it.
0: It must be. Because, I mean, they... I- I can't imagine any company smacking consumers in the face like this, yeah. <laughs> like on purpose.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it. it this is such a, a a huge, you know. Well, you're right. Slap in the face. It's it's terrible. It's like I ordered like the second you. I didn't, but some people but did.
0: Some people did. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um. But yeah, I think the the biggest. The big thing here um is it's going to be available for people to try on at Best Buy, which is going to get people to try virtual reality for real uh at least it's it's forty forty eight uh stores in uh the u s so it's not like it's going to be everywhere in the world or even everywhere in the u s but it's still something mm-hmm. um it starts in a few days on may seven so if you want to try you know if if anything most listeners um might not even have ordered anything but you might want to try it out and that's a, a chance for you to do so so best buy uh on may 7th uh street fighter 5 uh guile is available if you're into that and uh he's available for free because their store is still not up it's anyway not Street Fighter 5 launch is pretty terrible. However, um it, they did the the big esports tournament for uh fighting games is Evo, and for Evo 2016 they had 4000 competitors register on Street Fighter 5. Um the biggest one before that was Street Fighter 4 with 2000 uh, people registering, 2200. So, yeah, the launch might have been botched, but I think out of, you know, they had a choice of uh making it available and with just the competitive aspect working and uh the the basically single player experience crappy or delaying it and I think for for this year they they chose the best out of uh two bad solutions because it is working for the competitive crowd at least four thousand competitors registering for this is is pretty impressive so
0: Mm -hmm. I really think that you for any sort of a multiplayer game, the way to get people behind it now is to go the esports route like esports is just becoming this huge, huge, huge powerhouse. And if your game has any sort of competitiveness to it, that's the part that you push, because if you can get the esports people behind you, then you're going to get a very big crowd. So I think they probably made the right call. Um, Especially, I mean, looking at <laughs> twice the number of competitors, yeah. obviously it was the right call. But uh, yeah, I think going with the multiplayer esports and following up with a single player is better than the other way around or a full-on delay.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a tough... You know, hill to climb for them when the multiplayer is fine the single player is finally in a playable state, and they have the store and everything. They're gonna have to basically brand it as a relaunch of Street Fighter Five, I think. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's I agree. It was probably the the right call. And by the way, four thousand competitors, logistically, how do they even handle this? Because. I'm pretty sure you don't have it's everyone goes there. Everyone is at Evo, you know? It's not a compet- yeah. it's it's the the fighting game uh, um, the fighting game scene is very different, very special. And I'm pretty sure that I mean maybe for this they're going to have to do uh, you know, pre-selection things. But I'm I'm fairly sure that you just go there and everything happens there over the course of a couple of uh, you know, two or three days. Um, mm-hmm. Very special kind of place.
0: Well, I've got to say, after seeing um, RLCS this weekend, which was the Rocket League Championship, the partnership with Twitch, which had, I believe, in North America, six thousand teams, which was something like almost twelve thousand unique players. Um, it was just a shit show. <laughs> like <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> it was, it was the most mismanaged thing well? I've. No, it did not go well at all. <laughs> and so I can actually imagine having 4,000 people in the same place doing a competition over three days might actually be easier to do than trying to run something like that online.
1: <laughs> what What happened? Tell us a little bit more about the RLCS. Uh,
0: well, it was actually it was delayed by, I believe, four hours, which it was already because it was an open qualifier for a $75,000 prize pool. Um, It had so many competitors, and they were supposed to start at, I believe, noon Eastern, and they didn't end up starting until after 4 p.m. Eastern, and they had 12 hours of matches scheduled. So there were some people still playing at 3 and 4 in the morning. Jeez. It was ridiculous, and there were entire brackets that had half of the bracket disqualified because they were trying to make up for time, so now they're going to have to go back and have a disqualification bracket, and that's somehow going to get integrated back into the main bracket, and it was basically, I think they they said something like the the Smash GG, which normally does um, Smash Brothers tournaments, which have just as many competitors, but they they only have a team of, I think they said nine. <laughs> and so these poor nine people were trying to
1: Jesus. deal
0: with this site outage and everything else and it was just, it was a complete and total, total mess. Yeah. And considering the amount of money that was there and it was the first like big Rocket League tournament. Um, yeah, it was just <laughs> it, was, it was really bad. <laughs> so, and, and part of it, I think, was communication from You know, the actual site from Rocket League, from, you know, communication between teams, like trying to figure out if people are actually present or not present. So much easier to deal with if everyone's in front of you. Like, are you here? Yes, there you are. I can see you in person. (laughs) Go play your game. Like, it takes that, that online communication part right out of it. So... Four thousand competitors in person is probably easier than six thousand teams online.
1: <laughs> probably, yeah. I mean, it's still going to be if that's the way they do it. It's still going to be terrible. But uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of people say, "Oh, esports have been there forever," and esports is this, and you know what? The people are just now realizing how big esports are. I think I don't think esports. Esports is huge for core gamers for the esports is huge for the crowd it's huge for I don't <laughs> think e- esports is huge yet for um the actual general public and in order to oh, no. take it huge for the general public you are going to need some <laughs> and that sounds terrible uh <laughs> but you are going to need the adults to get involved um, yeah And and I think by the adults, I'm not even saying I'm it's I'm not trying to disparage the efforts of the people who have been, uh, uh, you know, pushing esports for all these years. I think they're doing a, a commendable job, actually a great job. It's just that it's it's not easy to get to that scale and the traditional sports industry or, you know, Big companies have taken decades to get to a, 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 a space a situation where they can handle those huge scale things, and mm-hmm. it's not easy. You don't just get there in three years of, of Twitch success. So yeah. that's why I think that the involvement of companies like Activision and EA and you know Microsoft and others is. It's important because I think they're gonna be able to take that uh uh amazing success of esports to the next level potentially over the next year or, or so, um and and you know, the next couple of years. So Yeah, I mean that those and those issues happen more often than I think we'd like to uh to admit. There's been huge issues with uh Dota two tournaments in the past few months. I think uh uh League of Legends, it's it's either of those. There were I think, it was Dota two. Uh, the the tournament is in Asia was a, a, a similarly a, a shit show. Um, so anyway, it's it's still there's still some work required. Definitely. Um, King of Fighters fourteen is coming in August. Finally, we have a release date, and I'm dancing alone <laughs> in my room because no one cares.
0: Um, <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but I was kind of like. Who yeah. and the what now is coming? Yeah, There's been 14 of these?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's You know, for fighting game fans, uh, King of Fighters and SNK, which, by the way, that news made me so happy as well. SNK Playmore is back to being just Gold SNK, period. Uh, their logo has changed. And, you know, there was that gaming console called the Neo Geo. And that was back at in a time when... Um, Arcade was so much better uh, than home consoles from a technical standpoint. They they were so much more powerful the arcade machines and the Neo Geo was an incredibly expensive console with equally expensive games. Um, for those who don't know, like the games actually cost the price, almost like almost the price of the console itself, because it was an arcade ca- cartridge, an arcade motherboard inside the cartridge. So it was super expensive. And it was the Rolls Royce, the, the Lamborghini of <laughs> consoles. And they were, you know, competing with Capcom for the fighting game genre at a time at, when. That was the main thing there was in the entire world, um, and they have fallen to the wayside significantly. And uh, the King of Fighters was probably the main, uh, their main franchise, and it was very successful. Not as successful as Street Fighter, the Street Fighter franchise, but probably the most successful one after that. And um, the Street Fighter 14 looks pretty bad it looks kind of like a, an average playstation 3 game kind <laughs> of um and it's still you know it, it it's but it's 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 oh did i say street fighter the king of you fighter, said street obviously. fighter but yeah. i was just gonna let you keep yeah <laughs> no obviously king of fighters but and it's just a lot of nostalgia and it's a kind of gameplay that um I don't think we've seen a lot. It's it's a different flavor of fighting game than Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, which whatever, it's another thing. And I know in the U Mortal US, Kombat
0: like... was so mine. <laughs> that's yeah. the one that I that's the one that I played. I know Finish him.
1: <laughs> so good. <laughs> I loved Mortal Kombat too, but it's it's not this in the same category uh for yeah. me and and I know in the u s you guys love Mortal Kombat more than Street Fighter, and you've probably as you've illustrated never heard of the King of Fighters, but <laughs> for real fighting game lovers like i am and and Japan aficionados street fighter and the king of fighters is, is where it's at so it makes me so happy that 14 is coming out even though it it looks bad i don't care i'm just gonna buy it anyway day one so there, <laughs> because you know it's got a bunch of characters and it's got that gameplay apparently it it seems like they're going for the right thing which is the gameplay so anyway august it's going to be available in japan and the u.s and i'm guessing europe uh at the same time they seem to be going with a worldwide release uh, within a few days uh difference so Anyway, if you are a lover of the King of Fighters, please come give me a little bit of love on Twitter. Tell me at NotPatrick that you like the King of Fighters too, because I'm fe- feeling incredibly lonely in this uh, <laughs> this Pixels show, because no one even knows what that game is. I'm so sorry. Well, <laughs> It's okay. You can tell us about, uh, Hearthstone, which you know very well. Um, Uh, the old gods expansion, (laughs) the old gods expansion, uh, has been released. Uh, they announced they have 50 million players, which it's not. Active players per month, it's created accounts. And I'm usually not a big fan of those numbers because you could have half of them be inactive and you wouldn't know, right? So I'm not, Mm -hmm. I understand the reason they're choosing to release that metric rather than active players because they fell into the trap of active players with um world of warcraft and that was something they could never get out of until they decided not to communicate on that uh, again um because <laughs> you always expect them you hope you know if they're not doing as well as they were in the previous one then they failed so i understand why they're saying million uh, accounts and and not active players uh Again, I'm usually not a big fan of that um, metric, but a few months ago it was 40 million and a year ago it was 30 million. So it's still a very significant increase. I think that's that's a very impressive increase. Uh and so the old gods is a new expansion. Um what did you what did you think of it?
0: So far and it's it's only been out it'll be a week tomorrow and it is just it's like Hearthstone is an entirely new game now. We got such a great infusion of cards and not only the infusion of new cards, but the removal of old cards, which had really restricted the design space of Hearthstone. So when old gods went live with standard format, it was just like, I think I played the game for probably like 48 hours straight (laughs) and I, I haven't played that much Hearthstone in probably a year. Um, it was just everything about it was so cool. I love the theme of this expansion. The I'm I'm a huge World of Warcraft nerd. So looking at the lore of the old gods and then seeing how it's been reimagined in the context of a Hearthstone universe, which is kind of like a game existing inside of a game. It was just—it was so interesting to see, and I love the the Hearthstone humor spin on the very serious kind of universe-ending old god theme.
1: Yeah, I, I love how uh, Cthulhu actually, you know, whispers insults in yes! your ear as you're playing. <laughs>
0: Oh my god, yes, as he's secretly growing inside their hand or their deck and it's just like all oh, your minions will turn on you. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, doesn't he say at some point your minions think your deck is not very good or something? Yes, like something
0: that? like that, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like and the other great thing that they did with this expansion is they actually gave all of the players C'Thun and as soon as you buy an old gods pack, you're going to get Cthune. So it's not even that it's a launch thing. So everyone is going to get the experience of playing with at least one of the old gods, which I think is fantastic for the community. I mean, right now, obviously, the ladder is flooded with Cthune decks, and that's not too much fun. But (laughs) over time, I think we'll start to see some more variety.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I didn't play Hearthstone um, for... uh, couple of months i think i didn't play much and i came back with this this expansion and i've had so much fun playing with it and as you are you're saying with the old gods uh with you getting Cthulhu um and those deck recipes that they added a, f- a, a yes. few weeks months ago um it's it's really and i'm sorry if i sound like a, a blizzard salesperson um <laughs> maybe it's because i've been one for a few years but genuinely i think that it's an excellent time for people to come back to uh to hearthstone if you've ever loved it in the past or actually even to start it out but you you just buy a pack of the old gods or well maybe more than one because you actually need more (laughs) cards in order to make your Cthune deck uh, viable um but giving that uh legendary card to everyone with a couple of cards uh going along with it to to help it make um to help make it viable uh is so clever from a game design standpoint. It is th- the big issue that people have been having with Hearthstone in the past few months, maybe a year, is it's very difficult p- for people to get into it and to understand how to even construct a deck because it's it's got so many cards and so many things to worry about. It's very confusing for people, not just new players, but people who are coming back. They don't know where to start. And with that little you know gameplay or design device of giving you the one card you want it just makes the direction it gives clarity to um the the way you want to play the game in a way that is uh uh you know problem solving not for everyone but i think for most people it's going to be very easy and aside from that it's just so... Those cards are... I understand that there's always the question of how much uh, randomness should be in in Hearthstone and how much the randomness can hurt the competitive aspect of it. But on the other side, you know, the other side of the coin is that it makes it so fun. And C'thun is just... Every time it comes out, C'thun and yogg for the people who are playing it, which... Yugxoron is a card that just makes the game completely crazy. It casts spells randomly all over, and a lot of them. And it's just every time it comes out, it's only been a week, so maybe it gets tiring after a while. But any any time those cards come out, it's just it's just I get giddy to with excitement because something fun is going to happen, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and the thing is, you can you can buff your Cthune and he is random, but. Anytime I've ever seen Cthune actually get played, he's been buffed so much that he's basically clearing the board and doing a ton of damage to your opponent. So he's not the kind of risky random that Yog saron is. And even Yog saron if you look at it statistically, you can figure out how many spells you have to cast to get him to basically be guaranteed, quote unquote, because it's still obviously random and stats and math and stuff, but... Um, guaranteed to kind of bring you back into the game and clear your opponent's board. So, you know, there there's another level of strategy in Hearthstone because of all the randomness that's programmed into the game. And I think that that is, you know, the ability to use that to your advantage and then react to it if it happens to you is what separates the good Hearthstone players from the great Hearthstone players. So I love randomness in the game. I think it sets it up. up. It makes it more unpredictable in a way that makes it fun to watch
1: right yeah no mm-hmm. i I agree i mm-hmm. definitely agree um it's but yeah anyway so let's not spend the whole
0: <laughs> i was gonna say yeah, yeah i could go on and on about yeah. hearthstone we should probably move on <laughs> yeah
1: um, but yeah so hearthstone i've played a lot when in the beginning i've played some in the uh since and it's the most fun i've had uh since the beginning i think in hearthstone mm-hmm. Um, Talking about Warcraft stuff uh, You remember that the Nostalgia's private Server was shut down by Legal action by Blizzard Um, That's been a very hotly debated topic uh, In the the community And if you want to get basically What my thoughts are On all of this I think you should listen to the latest uh, Episode of The Instance With uh, Scott, uh, Dills And Garrett and basically I wasn't on it, but they said everything I would have said anyway. So <laughs> it was a, a, an excellent discussion there. Um, but the, uh, the admins of that server, that private server has been, have been invited, um, to Blizzard to discuss things with the, uh, World of Warcraft development team. So. I, we don't know what's going to come out of it, but um, it's very interesting that um, Blizzard is paying attention and willing to talk things over. And uh, they communicate. Blizzard had a, a blog post out explaining um, their thought process and that whole thing. So go read it if you were interested in that, or as I said, even better, go listen to the instance. But um, it's interesting to see that the they're not being, you know, uh, blind or or mm-hmm. uh, or deaf to those complaints. Um you're a youtube creator
0: <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> and uh have you ever been slapped with a with a uh content i d something on one of your videos yes <laughs> okay, so you're gonna be interested by interested by that change um for people who don't know the way YouTube works is that um in the past few years. I think mainly to favor the old media that had a lot of the power and the existing, you know, big established players in the video space, um they created a content ID system where each video would be analyzed and would be they would be able to um see if another video was using portions of the original video and if that happened, they would contact the owner of the original video and let them know that that video was being used in another one and give them control over that newly created video. Uh, that was initially created to make sure that, um, you couldn't just re upload an, an, you know, a video and profit from it with the, uh, money from the ads, um, mm-hmm. just by stealing it basically. But what it turned into was that it also allowed, um, the original video, uh, creators, owners, uh, to basically appropriate the um, ad revenue or even block the video entirely, even when it was being uh, fairly used, used with the <laughs> concept of fair use in, in the U.S. It's a U.S. specific concept. Um And that was a problem because when that happened, all of the video's, uh, revenue was being directed to someone else, even though, even if you had put a lot of work into that, uh, into that, that work, into that video. Um, now the way it's gonna work is that, until that dispute is resolved, until uh, it's been determined whether or not that was fair use or not, um, the money is going to be basically put in escrow at YouTube um, and it's going to be attributed to the victor of the conflict um, once it's resolved. So that is a huge change for the, uh, especially in the gaming industry, but in general uh, on YouTube, right?
0: Yeah, this this is a really, really big change. And I think it's a positive change because I mean, the the content claim that we were a part of, um, basically, was our game of the year episode. And we had used a original piece of music, we had contacted the um, actual artist, and asked and had written permission to use the song in our episode. And Then I I got, it was two years later, I think we we had this copyright claim and we were just like, what are we even (laughs) supposed to, it took, it took me literally like three months to get this all sorted out. And in the end, it was basically a company whose entire revenue stream was finding like videos on YouTube and putting claims in. And then getting the income and whether it takes two weeks, three weeks, months for the claim to get sorted out, they're getting all that revenue. And that was their entire company
1: was basically
0: like they weren't representing the artists. They weren't representing, you know, other content creators. They were just a middleman essentially stealing from content creators and from YouTube. So I think YouTube putting this system in place is going to just make a huge difference to all of these like unfair copyright claims which really is what the big problem is
1: <laughs> yeah for sure i mean it's it's many different types of unfair copyright claims the one you're talking about which is basically illegal i mean it's yeah. it's trolls not even trolls it's it's uh <laughs> it's it's uh people stealing from others through a scam um mm-hmm and also i think when there is a fair use of an uh, of a video um uh, when you're reporting on a on a game and you're using some of the uh, i mean the let's plays are a, a hotly debated topic i don't think this applies to um or it shouldn't but the fair use is really i think where the the issue is where people use a little bit of the of a video or of a trailer of a video game or a movie just to to illustrate the point that they're talking about and until now, the entirety of the power was in the rights holder's hands, and there was no counterbalance. Because even even if you got that claim resolved after you know a week or a few days, the majority of the money you're making is going to be made within the first few days. So exactly, yeah, yeah. So that was a huge issue, and I think it's indicative of the shift in in balance of power. For the um, YouTube space, from the old guard to some of the new guard, the, the YouTubers have become so powerful that, that now YouTube can say to the old guard, "Guys, <laughs> just you know, chill. We're good." Yeah. You know, a, a few years ago, they had to contend with Viacom uh, suing them for you know however money they however much money they had. Now it's it's a little bit more balanced. So um and finally releases for may um we're gonna get a few interesting games uh released let me know if you're planning on pre-ordering buying or waiting and seeing or never touching uh i just selected for them there are more uh obviously coming out in may but these are the main ones uh battleborn another hero shooter
0: definitely picking this one up i played it in the beta it's so fun
1: really oh that's cool yeah Uh, so I actually, um, I, I was a little bit, you know, we had some things to say about Battleborn in the previous episode, mainly the, the design, the, the, uh, uh, visual aspect of it. I don't think it was a comment on the gameplay because, well, we haven't played it. Uh, but <laughs> I actually, I went out and, uh, and pre-ordered it. Uh, it's available relatively cheap on Amazon. It, they have Steam keys. Uh, it's for, uh, 35 euros. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you think you might be interested, I got it uh, mainly because I think I'm going to be playing the solo campaign, which a lot mm. of the other hero shooters don't have. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to hold me over in the, uh, in between time, uh, between the beta of Overwatch and the release. So, um, <laughs> I went and bought it. I think it's, it's, it looks, it looks like it could be fun. And I, so apparently it is.
0: It is. It's really fun. I played both the single player and I played um, with friends and it was just, it's it's a lot of fun. So a lot is, of it, fun.
1: is it like half a minute review? Is it like a MOBA? Is it more of a shooter? What what would you say about it?
0: Uh, kind of a combination of both. Uh, it definitely has elements of MOBA. Like that is, that is its kind of core gameplay, but it's also a shooter and, and like it's kind of got the... I'm trying to remember. I've played so many games now. Um, I can't remember. Is this one first the first person shooter one or the yeah. third? yeah, okay. I couldn't remember which which <laughs> view it was.
1: But <laughs> yeah, there are so many of those coming out now. It's yeah, like, there's so many. Yeah.
0: But uh, but yeah, no. Battleborn was just it was, it was so much fun. It's got that core MOBA type gameplay, and but there were also a lot of different characters that you could actually play as. So it kind of reminded me of Overwatch. But with more of, I guess, I I like MOBAs, so I I like that kind of minion spawning thing, which obviously Overwatch doesn't have. I was going to say with with more of a driving force behind it than just a team kill, but Overwatch is so much more than that, so... but yeah it's it's definitely gonna fill that space between you know now and overwatch but uh, but yeah, no it was it was really, really fun, very colorful, very
1: explody. <laughs> <laughs> How does the the single player campaign work though? Is it a series of arena maps like the multiplayer or do they actually have like different maps or?
0: Uh, No, it's actually, it's like a, it's, it's a guided sort of a a campaign with like bosses and things that you have to go up against. Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's not like a a MOBA arena. It's, it's more than that.
1: Okay, cool. Excellent. Uh, Second game in the list, uh, Uncharted 4. What do you think?
0: Definitely picking this one up. I am new to the Uncharted franchise because I'm new to PlayStation. So um, I, I'm going to just play through all of this <laughs> from yeah. start to finish. Like, I can't wait to just dive right in. I've had so much fun in similar games, and, and everyone speaks so highly of the Uncharted franchise that I my expectations for this are definitely really high, and I find if I go into something with really <laughs> high expectations, usually that's a bad thing. So I'm hoping that it lives up to my very high expectations, but yeah, definitely picking this one up.
1: Yeah, my expectations are insanely high as well. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to temper them a little bit, but, um, I, so I, if I want to play it when it releases in a few days, I have to buy a PlayStation 4 here. I guess I can sell because I'm still in Japan. I guess mm-hmm. I can sell it when I leave. Maybe I'm going to do that because, ah, <laughs> oh my God, Uncharted. I mean, Uncharted, I spoke very high, highly of, um, of Modern Warfare just a, a while ago. Um, Uncharted. 2 was one of those games that you know in 2009 i think it was it was an incredible year for gaming um it was so such an incredible game uncharted 2 the first one was average honestly the third one was good but not as good as the second one but if they managed to recapture some of that uh you know Feeling from the second one and some of the learnings they had from um, the the Last of Us, which is also a game I adored. Um, I, I'm yeah, they seem to be going more of a storytelling route, and it's such yeah. So I'm I'm gonna get it. I might even get a PlayStation just to play it and to play. <laughs> That's <Guile>. saying something. <laughs> yeah, and, and to play Guile in Street Fighter Five. There are a few things I'm gonna play too, and you know try Overwatch <laughs> on consoles and stuff like that um doom is coming out three days after that uh i think i might be FPSed out by that <laughs> point so i'm gonna wait and see what the reviews are saying if it's not i mean again nostalgia doom is one of my old times favorite yeah it's it's i grew up on it so mm-hmm. maybe but i'm not sure
0: yeah it's definitely a wait and see for me too only because i think if it had come out at a different time even a couple of months earlier i probably would have picked it up day one but May is just so packed. Like I'm really excited for all three of the, well, Battleborn, Uncharted, and Overwatch, which is the next one. So I, there's just so much already packed into May that I just I don't think I can fit another game in here. I'm I'm obviously Hearthstone just had their expansion launch. Um, I'm still actively raiding in Warcraft. Like I, oh I you are, for, yeah,
1: you're <laughs> actively raiding for- still. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> So, you every, have like a every weekly?
0: Thursday and Sunday.
1: <laughs> so, I guess at this point, you, you're all decked out, and, or maybe you're playing alts or something, but it's just to, to have fun with your friends, or is it just for the loot?
0: Uh, it's, it's mostly to have fun with friends. Um, I okay. actually PvP, that's my thing. So, I'm fully um, season three conquest geared. So, actually, the gear that drops from raids is not an upgrade for me. <laughs> so, okay. it's mostly just to, to hang out with friends.
1: Hmm, interesting. <laughs> All right, so yeah, Doom is my maybe not the highest priority for most people. Yeah. Um, and finally Overwatch coming out on the 24th. Uh you've heard us talk about it before. It's I've pre-ordered it obviously. I did too. <laughs> yeah. I I've played 2 or 300 hours of it already during the beta. I can't wait to to finish this episode, publish it and maybe go play it although, you know, I'm in Kyoto and my um mother-in-law is is here so we might go visit stuff um we'll see but i mean yeah doesn't she
0: know it's overwatch beta day oh
1: she she would understand my wife is very kind and she would just you know but uh but you know it's also nice things to see here so we'll see i'm definitely going to be spending some time in the game though um Mm -hmm. today and tomorrow and the day after and then on the 24th so um yeah i'm guessing you're you're into it as well
0: yes definitely can't wait (laughs) hang up the call so i can go play Patrick.
1: <laughs> all right all right We're, we've been doing this for about an hour and a half i think that's that's enough um <laughs> that's enough uh, keeping you away from overwatch uh so why don't you tell us where we can find you when uh you're not playing overwatch or maybe when you are streaming overwatch
0: <laughs> I am Joss Plays all over the place. You can find everything I do at jossplays.com. You can find me at Joss Plays on Twitch. I'm Joss Plays on Twitter. I'm everywhere as Joss Plays.
1: And what do you do? What would people uh, find if they went and followed you?
0: Uh, I have the Angry Chicken, which is a Hearthstone podcast. I have the Gamers In, which is a general but very relaxed gaming podcast. Um, I just launched a new show called Joss Versus the World, which is kind of a stream podcast hybrid. So uh, I stream a multiplayer competitive game with someone who's an expert in the game. And then we do kind of like a short podcast tips and tricks afterwards so the idea is to get people into pvp who don't necessarily usually like playing against other real players um so we just launched that last week and then yeah so that's that's pretty much everything that i do
1: cool i, I right really now, like the one the one about heroes with uh, kyle by the way are you going oh, to do you. an audio version of that uh of that second part of the show where you actually discuss things and give tips and tricks
0: Yes, that that's cool. actually, it's up
1: on iTunes. Oh, is it? Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm subscribing now. <laughs> cool. All yeah, right. So,
0: actually, Overwatch is the next title that we're doing. Uh, Dills and I, I think, are going to do that uh, probably tomorrow. So, Wait, I'm what? excited. Wait, yeah, what? Over-
1: what I, I was not your choice for the person <laughs> to give you advice on Overwatch?
0: I'm, I'm sorry but he's a really good teacher <laughs> I'm,
1: i i well, how do you know i'm not all right we'll settle that after the show <laughs> has closed all right uh for me it's not patrick on twitter and on facebook and you can find this show and uh another cool one on frenchspin.com the other one is about international politics but actually uh, a fun version of that we had an episode where we discussed Politics in France and how it's possible that we have such a leftist side of everyone in, in the country. It was really fun. We had a, a genuine um, communist activist, I might even say, in, on the show. But he's a reasonable a reasonable person, so it was fun to discuss with him. Uh, you can go check that out at frenchspin.com. And of course, if you want some uh, information about Overwatch, if you're diving into the beta, for example, you might want to check out Overwatchers. Uh, the latest episodes are, of course, fun, but we also did a bunch of um, basically basic um, uh, details, information guides, uh, episodes back on episode 7 through 11. We have a bunch of details there, so you can go check that out as well if you're interested in the game. Think that's going to be doing it for us? We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. Talk to you then. Bye.